1: All, for, 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 for all things, all things
0: KC. For everything Chiefs, it's always, game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your hosts, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tap.
2: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwartz. We are coming to you live after that thrilling Chiefs win. In Los Angeles, Chiefs 30, Chargers 27, down to the wire, a nail-biter just like we predicted. Guys, our initial reaction is what? I mean, first, these
3: Sunday night games are so hard to sleep after. You get y'all lamped up and the Chiefs are scoring late, and then you're like, well, I I guess I kind of want to see what they say on social media. And then Andy's out here saying, well, they gave us a minute and 45 seconds. We did it in 13 once, and you're like, I like that comment. That's fun. And then you just start scrolling through all of the stats that slowly build up. And you're like, yeah, that's right. 25 straight games in November and December, 14 straight road wins in the division. But it's, I mean, the instant reactions as it always is. The Chiefs own the AFC West and I feel very good. I felt good going into that game that they'd find a way to win it. I was a little bit nervous after that touchdown late. But they gave Mahomes enough time and he still went out and had his MVP moment.
4: But you say his MVP moment as if this isn't like the seventh time he's had right. MVP moment this
3: year.
2: Every moment feels like an MVP moment for him. Sure, but once you become the favorite
3: and then you go down in a minute and a half and score a touchdown and stick it up your rival's ass in particular <laughs> in a big divisional game to seal the AFC West, then you won the MVP. Like it's over. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last night. I understand things change in the MVP race a little bit, but after week 10 or 11, not as much. Right. Those conversations we talk about is like when Russell Wilson front runs it through week four. Once we're heading into week 12 eh, and Mahomes is leading the NFL in passing yardage, leading the NFL in passing touchdowns, having one of his greatest seasons ever after the wide receiver who's on pace for 2000 yards leaves his camp. And they have the number one record in the AFC and one of the best records in the NFL. It's like he just won it last night. Just like, well, this feels very good. It's but over then, now.
4: But you know what, Cody? It's, he he's gonna do this another time or two before the season ends. We keep thinking that like, we keep getting these moments where you're like, well, this is this is about as good as it gets. And then seven days later, he goes and does it again. And then seven days after that, he does it again. So I'm not to sit here and believe that like, that was the moment that we'll look back on, because I'm assuming next week against the Rams, when he has 428 yards and four touchdowns, we're going to be like, Oh yeah. Remember last week how we said (laughs) that was the best moment. Well, he did it again because this is the season that he's having where we, we keep wondering, like, it doesn't look quite the same. Does it without Tyreek Hill, Like the explosive plays aren't there yet. Here we are. 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He is pacing the NFL in every major statistical category. And he is looking like he's having the best season of his career. None of it really makes any sense. And that's why we keep tuning in on Sunday. And that's why everybody else does, too. You you mentioned the HBO reference last week or a couple weeks ago, Cody. Yeah. Like another banger, another banger. And guess what? Absolutely. Everybody else like what do you think Scott Van Pelt was leading off with ESPN 1130 right after the game ended? Chiefs, Chargers, just like everybody else around the league is going to be doing today.
3: Mahomes was six of seven for 98 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth. And I think some of the, maybe the the deeper conversation later in this week is you remember there was a time probably that we would all sit around and discuss the fact that we thought, okay, Mahomes has probably had his best statistical season, but let's talk about his best season. No, he might have his best statistical season again this year. He's on pace that 5,050. He got in a 16 game season. It's 17 games, and he's just going to go ahead and blow the 5,000 out of the water, apparently, and take it to 5,500 while still pacing for the 50 touchdowns. In that year, he had 50 touchdowns. He threw 12 picks in a 16-game season, and he's on pace for 11 in a 17. So it's just like, nope, he might still just, I guess he might just have a bunch of 5,000-yard 50-touchdown season in his career because we're doing it again. Hey, I was going to say you were at the game last night or you were at the game. Obviously yes. we saw you on the sideline, looked very fancy. We make fun of each other on our other <laughs> show for this. You, you were all the way on the sideline, not just in a suite. You were sitting at the best place spot you could be. Yes.
2: Well, I'll be honest here. Uh, as of noon on Sunday, I didn't have a ticket yet. So all week I was working at um, some good friends of mine have a friend that works for the team. And so around Noon. He's like, hey, I got two tickets, two passes. You just need to buy like a cheap ticket, and then I'll let you use the the field pass with me. And I'm like, done. So, wasn't expecting that at all. Um, and it was an incredible. Standing next to Henry Winkler, saw Jackson Mahomes, Randy Mahomes. What's her last name Mahomes. I don't know. Um, so fun. Saw the whole gang. Theme warm ups. It was a time, guys. Uh, although I do have a confession. Should this be confession time? Yeah, I think so. Well, I told you the story how last year in the same game I left after the third quarter.
3: Yes. (laughs) Kayla, not again.
2: This time it was like mid fourth.
3: Oh, that's worse somehow. Because,
2: okay, the people I came with actually left (laughs) very early. Again, when you come with a three year old, when they hit their limit, you got to go. So they left. I stayed. But then my other ride Thank you, Arash Markazi. I uh, was leaving in, in the fourth quarter. So I was like, I've got to get home to record a podcast. I don't want to get stuck in an Uber line. I'll leave with you. So I was watching the game on my phone as we were driving back. By the time we got to my car in the Target parking lot, we had just scored the winning touchdown. I was screaming my head off. But I thought maybe I have to leave these games for them to win. They did win both. So I'm of them. doing the team a favor by doing this.
4: One of these days. You're going to see an incredible Chiefs win in person, Taylor. <laughs> it's giving me magical.
2: I hate myself a little, I do. We're going to give uh, you credit, though. Yeah, little, did
4: is you know. great. little did you know we were going to be up till 2 in the morning recording <laughs> this anyway, so you could have <laughs> taken your sweet time. With another.
2: I guess I could have in hindsight, but, well, neither here nor there.
3: This was the most fun game of the year, wasn't it? This game had every, it was a shootout, which is what you want, right? The first five possessions for both teams all scored. Then there was a little bit of this like defensive slog for a little bit. And then there were like tough decisions like Staley didn't go for it on fourth twice that I thought he would have gone for it on fourth last year. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And there were big mistakes. There were turnovers on both sides. and the Pacheco kick return. was like, Oh, it had everything. And then it still came down to Justin Herbert made a freak throw to Keenan Allen who made an even greater catch. They score a touchdown and then Mahomes still got to redo it. Like it was that's exactly that's everything you want out of an NFL game. When when NBC flexed this game 10 days ago, Nick, as you pointed out, when they flexed this 10 days ago, uh, this is what they had. in mind. This is exactly what they wanted.
4: Yeah, you know, it's tough. Like, I like I'm, I'm racking my brain now going back through all the games to say, like, was this the best? Because I feel like without without going back and crunching the numbers, I feel like we've said this like four times this year. I feel like we said it after the Bucks game we said it after the first chargers game we said oh. it after the raiders game it, it's okay. it just they keep out doing it they keep raising the bar and every
2: raising our own bar
4: they don't play normal games the chiefs refuse to play a normal game where it's like the same flow throughout and there's not these weird ebbs and and rises where they look good and then look bad like the offense will stagnate and then all of a sudden it will come alive late there was no reason to believe that with a minute and a half left, the Chiefs were gonna go down and, and move the ball better than they had at any point in the game, unless you just assumed that it because it's Mahomes and Kelsey, that this is when they're gonna play their best. And that's exactly what happened.
2: I'll be honest though, the most that I was able to like follow along was actually when I was watching the game on my phone in the car. Because I told this to Cody earlier. I don't wanna sound like a brat. It is so much fun to go to a game. If you ever have the chance to go to a live NFL game, do it. But it's hard to know what's going on because the broadcast adds so much. You only get like one view. So I don't know what's actually happening on the field. And then when you're at an away game, the announcers are only giving you updates on the home team. So I was actually following Cody's tweets in game to to see what was happening and to like get a pulse for what was going on. I hate
3: that. I hate that. You know that I hate that, Cody. I know, but I did it for you this time, Nick, because I knew that you were traveling to For So I was like, you know what? Just in case Nick misses some little thing, I want to make sure you can go back and see exactly what happened in this game. So tonight.
2: Why do you hate that? <laughs> because I've I, actually I, been
3: I, better. He, he's get, he'd been critical of me for over tweeting in the game, especially because I watch it on the air feed. So everyone's always behind oh, essentially well, I'm, al- I
4: ne- I'm
2: always behind.
4: Always, because I'm always streaming. And tonight was even yep. worse because I was on a plane. So I'm using like airplane Wi Fi. So I'm like oh, a, minute and and a half behind the game. And there was one point, I don't know which game it was. Maybe it was the first Chargers game or the Bucks game where Cody tweeted it was triple digits. It was triple digit live tweets. <laughs> and I, and I and I what I staged an intervention. I stayed and I've cut it down since then today and was my did. worst game since. And he did. So like, I, but like, that's the problem when I'm a minute and a half behind and Cody's tweeting every single play that happens. It's like, <laughs> I'm never surprised. Actually, and it ruins the viewing experience.
2: <laughs> but I actually, I, to your point, Nick, I like it when I'm behind because then when I'm worried about a big play, like a third down or something, or I'll see, I'll see Cody's tweet. I'll see Matt's tweet with the chiefs. And then I'm like, yes, we converted her. Yes. We got a score. Like,
3: Matt McMullen's even worse than mine because the national TV broadcast like on an God. eight second delay. So mm, Matt's God. still ahead of me.
4: Yeah, and I do get I, I do get live. Twi- uh, I do get uh, notifications from the chiefs. So they're always first anyway. <laughs> I try to like swipe them up on my phone before I can actually read what they say.
3: Or you see the C- mm-hmm. you see and even. I assume um, that you got a few of those for Kelsey tonight. Seems plausible. Yeah, uh, quite a few. It, it, Kayla, how many of his touchdowns did he have before you left?
2: I was literally leaving at, right at the second touchdown. I okay. saw the second touchdown and then left. Patrick, big game from 87 tonight. As I said, he would have in Friday.
3: I will give you credit. You did say we all we all chose our... You know our our MVPs. We did our predictions. We all thought I said Trip McDuffie would have a game ceiling interception. I was wrong. It was Nick Bolton. Should have chosen a different defensive defensive player. Um, but I, you know, look, we could do the normal thing we do on this podcast or any podcast. And we could just gush about Travis Kelsey and Nick can make fun of me because I'll say he'll never age and he's you know like a robot sent from the future and he's going to be forty years old still having a thousand yard season. But like I've made my point pretty clear on that. Or last year when I told you. I no longer think that we should ever call him a tight end anymore. I think it's a disservice. I think we should just call him a wide receiver like everyone else because the rest of the tight ends can all have their own little party and do their thing. He is a wide receiver for all purposes in this. But the thing that stood out to me tonight was because of everyone else he was throwing to, just as long as Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, I'm not worried. I'm good. Just as long as he has that guy, I don't care. He was throwing to Sky Moore, who had like 108 yards on the season. Justin Watson, who was like the seventh wide receiver on Tampa Bay last year. MVS, who was a non-factor in this game and the best wide receiver on the field, mind you. He was throwing to Noah Gray and whoever else, right? It was a bunch of players whose name you didn't know 18 months ago, and he won a divisional road game against a quarterback who is playing well, like just as long as he's got Kelsey, the rest of this doesn't matter.
4: Yeah. I mean, K- Kelsey <laughs> he has hit 10 targets tonight and you saw, they even mentioned this on the broadcast that the only time the chargers had had success. And really the only time any team has ever had success slowing Travis Kelsey down is when you have Derwin James and only one team has him, right? He is. If you could create a player in a lab to defend, Travis Kelsey it would be Derwin James Derwin James was on Travis Kelsey in that fourth quarter touchdown you know two touchdowns today because what he scored on Derwin because the problem is yeah, Mahomes threw the ball 34 times you first off you can't just put a guy on him for a whole game I mean teams don't do that not with safeties not with tight ends the way that they move him around the field like unless you just have the perfect defensive game plan there is You're not going to have Derwin James on Travis Kelsey for 34 snaps. And even if you do, it's such a tough ask to say, play perfect defense for 34 snaps, because if you play it for 30 snaps, that's great. But those four where he gets separation, guess what? Mahomes is looking his way because Mahomes is looking his way on every single drop back. So you, you look at the final numbers and you say, I only caught six balls, but a third of the passes that Mahomes threw, he went to Kelsey because on every single drop back, if he sees single coverage, even if it's Derwin James, he's just waiting for that one time. And that's what happened on that last play of the game. It was, I think, Christian Watson coming on the crosser from the left and Mahomes from the right. Safety's gotten got mitt- just for a split second. They were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's all it took for Kelsey to get the separation and score.
2: One. Really quick. He averaged 19.2 yards per reception tonight.
3: Well, because he has he has as many he is for for statistical purposes he actually is a wide receiver. Nobody has more receiving yardage over the last five years in the NFL besides Travis Kelsey. Not any tight end, any receiver. He's at the top of the list, and I think really what separates him, uh, Kayla, is what you're talking about there, which is Nick. Not not the touchdown these scores on Derwin, but the other one instead. He has Mahomes escapability. That little like. Hip shake, he does on the sideline, and then you thought you had him. Like, you thought you had him on the sideline. I I had Kelsey there. You didn't because then he snuck past you and he ended up in the end zone because there were more than enough chances to push his ass out before he got there, and you didn't do it. He's always one step ahead because, like, sometimes, Nick, I think maybe you and I have talked about this off off the air. So I'll bring you in on our conversation off the air. Kelsey, when he plays football, does not look fast. He decidedly looks slow. Like he's almost moving in slow motion. He's 6'5", 200. And yet, <laughs> and yet, every defender acts like he's moving at lightning speed. Like they somehow go slower than he does. They don't react to his body movements well. He is good. He is deceptive with the way that he moves. And when he gets going, he's faster than I think. Because I, every time, it like it doesn't look like it's all happening like the way Tyreek looks when he's moving fast. But he makes guys miss. He gets past guys all the time, constantly. I think he's the best pass catcher in the NFL.
4: I don't think there's anybody, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. I don't think there's anybody that I would take over him because what I was thinking about tonight in that the season that Tyreek's having, you know, on pace for 2000 yards, you can't knock what he's doing. He is clearly one of the best weapons in the NFL. But if, if you, if you imagine what would have happened if they, the chiefs would have, Held on to him and lost Travis Kelsey, there is no way they're they're as successful as they've been this year. There is no way. Because of Kelsey being not a not the game breaker that Tyreek is, or even a guy like Justin Jefferson is, but the reliability and the consistency of he may not kill you for three quarters. He may not kill you, you're not going to throw him the ball maybe 18 times and he'll have 15 catches for 190 yards. But those three or four plays that he is going to turn up field on the yards after catch and convert on third and seven or third and 12, there is nobody in the NFL that
3: gives you that consistency that he does. You know what's wild is in an addition to that, Nick, his average annual salary because he plays tight end is less than $15 million per year. Yeah. So it's like not only do you get the best pass catcher in the NFL, you get him for half the going rate.
2: Overworked like just, and underpaid.
3: Look, it, he doesn't think he's underpaid. <laughs> he seems very happy with it. But he makes half as much as Tyreek. He makes $12 million less a year than Devontae Adams. So you get all the benefits, but it's like the hometown discount's just built in because he plays tight end, because he's better than every other tight end. Like, that's that was just one of those games tonight. He was just not going to be denied. I was kind of hoping Sky Moore was going to get the game-winning touchdown, but, you know, of course it was Kelsey because that's the way it works.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022
2: We are so blessed. Well, Cody, speaking of Sky, hello, Sky Moore. Welcome to the Kansas City Chiefs. Had the biggest game of his career, five receptions on six targets for 63 yards. Hello, our guy came alive tonight.
3: I three third down catches. Sky Moore lives. I had, um, <laughs> I think on this podcast, I had officially killed his season. I said RIP. Sky Moore's 2022. It was fun. Um, we'll see you next year. Good luck. That was with the emergence of Kadarius Tony, who, of course, left this game injured due to SoFi's terrible, I assume, field conditions. Again, Kaylee, you were on the field, so we'll get an update on that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but I look, Sky Moore sh- showcased some of the skills of why you drafted him. Specifically, probably when he left Derwin James, the same guy, the aforementioned Derwin James, broke his ankle a little bit. And made a nice little double move to get a third down and eight reception that they desperately needed. To me, I'm not like thinking this is going to be the new Sky Moore. He obviously got the benefit of the targets because so many guys were gone, including Kadarius Toney and Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Hardman. But he does have skill. That is a new development. Because the only thing we had said before is he had skill on paper, not skill on the field because he only had 100 yards. This was the first time I actually watched him do something. He was effective in essentially every single one of his targets. As you mentioned, just six targets, five catches, three of which were for third down catches, two of them were in big moments. So to me, that is clearly the most promise he's shown and a, a welcome sight. Yeah, and it and it wasn't just that
4: Mahomes was looking his way or he had a bad matchup like he was picking on a really bad cornerback for the Chargers. Like he looked really impressive doing it. Yeah. And, That was the first time where i felt like with the exception of maybe there was one play it it was early in the season it may have been the raiders game where he had a a nice catch on the sideline and he showcased like some some wiggle and made a guy miss and he said okay that's why you drafted him because he looks like a legit weapon tonight he looked like a legit weapon yeah he was he was very crisp in his route running And he just looked like a pro. He didn't look like a rookie. And I don't know if that's because all of a sudden something's starting to click with him or if it's just opportunity because he hasn't played enough to the point. I mean, you can talk about the punt returns and the kick returns all you want. He hasn't played enough to really make a definitive answer on, Hey, this guy doesn't have it. He doesn't look ready we've just been sort of going off the fact that he hasn't been getting the opportunity and trying to draw conclusions based off that after Sunday night though, he looked like a guy who belongs. He looked like a guy who I want to see more of. And I don't know exactly who he's going to play over because right now it seems like every other week, it's a new guy who we're sort of praising. It's Juju it's MVS it's, it's Justin Watson. It's Kadarius Tony. Now Nicole Hardman's had his moments. So I don't know what you do with him from here but that was the first time where we could all sort of collectively look at this guy and say, well, he can play. I don't know if he's gonna do it every week and I don't know what his role is gonna be, but this looks like a guy who belongs and who you can sort of use to, to beat teams across the course of the season. Cause that's, a, I know that the numbers haven't been good for the Chargers defense, but they have some talented players in the secondary and Sky Moore
3: was able to get his own. They're much better in pass defense than run defense. That was known going into it. So I mean it was always going to be a little bit more work. And again, one of those plays he beat Derwin James on. Like he beat, he beat the guy, right? The, the, the one you have to beat. And that was on the third and eight. So like it wasn't just a nothing moment. It eventually led to a scoring drive for the Chiefs that they were able to complete that. Did he stand out more than others? No. He had the same yardage pretty much as Justin Watson, had similar yardage to Jody Fortson. Like these are the kind of guys that You know, we don't think have big, huge roles in the offense planned this year, next year ever, right? They have roles, they have their parts, but we like, that sounds like a negative, but we hadn't even seen that for Sky Moore. The conversation over the last couple of weeks is he has no place. He is a, he is a person without a home. They don't even have like a couple of like, cause Tony showed up and they had a role for him. Tony showed up and they're like, all right, here are the five, six, seven plays we like. We're going to use you in those. We're going to get you the ball in those situations, and we're good. And with Sky, they were never even making an effort. I think part of what happened here, Nick, is the place they don't put him in these games because of the competition is the slot. And then they put him in the slot today, and that's a good spot for him. I think what's running into is the opportunities he's been given snap-wise are all on the outside. And that's not a strength. The outside requires more crisp route running, more beating your guy in man every time. And in the slot, there's movement and flexibility and matchups. And you get to kind of work the whole part of the field. And I think because of those injuries to Tony and McColl, he got more time there. And you see MVS on the outside, quiet, right? Not as much. It's not those guys did. But I think once they moved him inside, there was there was more for Sky more to do.
2: I have two follow ups. Did any of us have Sky on our bingo cards last week as to who will step up in the wide receiver role? None of us picked him. Secondly, do we feel bad about being so critical of him after what we saw tonight? I mean, he had a hundred coming in. Yeah.
3: I mean, he still only has like 170 yards on the season. I don't think it's unfair to say he didn't have a role. But this is also like the reason why I don't feel bad, Kayla, is for the same thing we've said on this podcast. I never buried him. I buried this year. I said, all right, so he's not going to have an impact this year. So what? I went out of my way, as a matter of fact, to say, do not do not interpret this as he has no future or can't be a good wide receiver. Because to me, some of that was just opportunity based Mm -hmm. or he was a rookie wide receiver coming in from a they don't call it D2, but like coming in from a small school, you know, like that. That was going to be a tough transition for any player, let alone in an Andy Reid-led offense. And so, at least tonight, I feel good because he showcased some of the skill set of why he got drafted in the second round.
4: Yeah, I do. You know what? I do think... I think we have a tendency to draw these grand conclusions in small sample sizes because it's all you have to go off of. And there is no better example of a small sample size player than Sky Moore. Because not only is he not playing very much, only have a half a season of a of an entire nfl career like that's that's what we're boiling that's what we're trying to make decisions based off of so he's not playing and we've got 10 games to go off of and yet we're sitting here saying okay this and that about him some of it does seem a little bit silly especially for a team that expects to compete for a super bowl which tells you like they're not going to wait on you to develop if you're not ready right now they're gonna move on with the guys who are ready and then a year from now two years from now whenever If it feels like you're ready, then they're going to put you in there. But he's in a weird situation where he's not really being allowed to play through his mistakes, which is understandable for a team that knows like every single game matters. And we're not just like trying to build something here. We're trying to maintain something. So I think it's it's interesting in in the same way that I'm not ready to say that all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, a weapon the rest of the season just because he had a good game versus the Chargers.
3: I'll say this. You could tell him in a lot to him. Couldn't you on that second, third down, man, he like the emotion he was showing on the field proved that it meant something to him. Like, and, and I know we say that, but like confidence in the NFL could mean a lot. Like I belong to me. If I, if I'm sky Moore, like if I'm going home at night, I'm telling myself, okay, yeah, I'm an NFL player. That would have been the first time I felt like an NFL player. I helped us win the division. I helped us beat a team on the road. I was the second leading receiver, only behind Travis Kelsey, future Hall of Famer Travis Kelsey. Like you could see how much it meant to him, just based on the way he was, just on the the emotion he was showing on the field. I would actually feel like that was my arrival moment if I were Sky Moore.
2: Someone else who had a big game tonight, Isaiah Pacheco had the Chiefs' first 100 yard was the Chiefs' first 100 yard rusher since Week Four of 2021. Last year, I was that? How does that happen? I don't know. Uh, 15 carries, 170, 107 yards, not 70. Um, little uh, sideline tidbit here. He was talking oh. to someone before the game and it looked like they were praying. I'm not saying I'm just saying.
3: Hmm, so it worked.
2: The Lord was on our side.
3: Wow.
2: <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about, but it did look like they were praying. They were having a very like intimate moment.
3: That you apparently watched in deep conversation.
2: <laughs> I was interrupting.
3: Yes. That's uh, fine. I think when you're an athlete, that's pretty normal. Um, this is why we've been asking for more Pacheco. And I know it sucks that Clyde got hurt because we both simultaneously have to say like tomorrow, right? Or today we'd be like, all right. So just first things first. Clyde's hurt. Uh, good news. He's your least important running back. Um, sorry, but it's true. Also, he is officially injury prone. I've made it very clear that for a third consecutive year, he missed significant time, which a high ankle sprain will do. Congratulations, rubber stamp it. You're stuck with it. You're injury prone. You have not been able to make it through a full season in the NFL for the third consecutive year. Doesn't really matter what the injury is. But from the Pacheco front, great news. He still misses some moments where he literally just runs as fast as he can. And if he waited for another half second, he'd probably get some more yards. But what a tough day it would be to complain about that because he had 107 yards and averaged seven yards a carry. I think I'm good. I'm good with what Isaiah Pacheco offered. Between him and McKinnon, they make a complete back. Rushing in pass protection. I mean, not Pacheco, the one pass protection because he's still some rookie stuff. He got destroyed by Derwin James, who's come up a lot on this podcast, by the way, on the sack that eventually still led to a score. And he made a huge blunder in the special teams when he caught a ball inbounds and then tiptoed out of bounds. That felt like that could have been a turning moment of the game right before half, but he ran like the way you want him to run. He'll figure out the rest of it, right? That's where we all are. He'll figure out the rookie stuff. He's a good runner. He's very fast. He runs hard and in the right direction.
4: I think this is the game. I think this will be the turning point for uh, the coaching staff turning to him. He's the, he's the lead back now because you saw even if you didn't intend for it, like if you're Andy Reid and you didn't go into the game intending to completely hand the backfield over to him, you saw what happened when you did. You saw what happened when he was the only back getting consistent carries for four quarters. And you saw how the game turned in the second half when you didn't go away from the running game. I feel like that's going to just by default cause Andy Reid to say, okay, well, he's our guy now. Not because they said, you know what, we've seen enough, but because you are now faced with the reality of, oh, we sort of just kind of lucked into this and he is our best running back and our offense moves better when he's in there. Like, I think sometimes that's what it takes. Even if you're not planning on it happening, just seeing the results sort of play out in real time lead you to make a decision that you wouldn't have made otherwise.
3: It's why I keep wondering why Dallas had never made that shift to Tony Pollard. Because it's like the fifth time we've watched Tony Pollard shine. When Ezekiel said, I'm like, it's done. I know you paid that guy a lot of money, but no one cares. The better running back on your team is Isaiah Pacheco. And Nick, it's not just one game. Like you've said, it's two consecutive games. He's been the lead back. He's averaging six yards a carry. He has 31 carries for 189 yards over the last two games. That's it. That's all you need to know. And I know it sucks that you don't get to use him in the passing game the way you would like to use a running back in the passing game because that's not a skill set yet. He's possessed or doesn't, but that's why you have Jerick McKinnon. I know it sounds like, well, then every time you're going to throw it to him, I'm like, no, just he's in, and sometimes you're going to throw it to him. And if Pacheco's in, you can almost safely assume it's not going to the running back until it is. If anything, it'll just give Andy that secret weapon. They'll get to a postseason game. They will have never thrown a single pass to Pacheco. And just watch. I'll just call it now. They'll get in a divisional round playoff game. And Pacheco will have one catch for 12 yards in the entire damn season. And on some third and nine, the defense is just going to straight up not guard Isaiah Pacheco because there's no reason to. And for that moment, Mahomes is going to throw it to him and he's absolutely going to convert it. Like, there's to me, Nick, I already felt like they should have been there last week. But with Clyde now gone with a high ankle sprain, which we know for running backs is typically a month, like he's gone for a month. Just as long as Pacheco doesn't bomb, there's no way he's not keeping that job forever. Is in getting 80% of the touches.
2: I had a Pacheco tweet that was borderline dad joke that I deleted because I didn't like the emoji I used. And then the game had <laughs> progressed and the moment was gone. But it said more like Pacheco. Mm. That's made oh. a joke. <laughs> That's definitely a dad joke. I thought it really would have hit. By the way. What guys, was the emoji you didn't like? Uh, I think I used a fire emoji, but then I wanted to use the, like the eyes looking to the side emoji instead.
4: Oh, that's the there was one.
2: that one drive where he, they were just giving him the ball every single time. Yeah. I was like, geez, where has this been? Um, I just turned
3: to just using clips of Henry Winkler from Barry and Arrested Development. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use gifts of him from those two shows. He was not taking even pictures
2: with those. everybody. And I'm so mad at myself for not asking for a picture because he would have said yes. Of course he was he
3: so nice. Why didn't you get a picture with the Fonz? I don't know.
2: I will regret it forever.
3: Nick would have gotten a picture with the Fonz.
4: Yeah, that's, you're never going to have that opportunity again.
2: Uh, well, maybe I will. He's a huge Chiefs fan now, so he'll probably be at True. more games.
4: Yeah. Now that the floodgates have opened, Henry be- Weekler is like he is like the new mascot. If they ever get rid of Casey Wolf, they'll replace him with Henry Winkler.
3: <laughs> Honestly, I think we should start a petition now because I like <laughs> that.
2: Look, I wouldn't want to want Henry to bang his head against the goalpost, though. why are why are we sticking with a wolf? It has no
3: connection to anything other than they just decided it. And people like the way he like, wiggles his belly. But that's it. That's all it's got going. Other than that, I think we can admit here on this show, it's a mediocre mascot, and they should just oh. switch to Henry Winkler instead.
2: <laughs> He's a or better mascot. Okay. Also sign out. Can you guys help a girl out? I need to build up my chiefs following. I have lots of Kings people following me. Okay. My chiefs tweets don't get a lot of traction and it bothers me. Ooh. Okay. Yes. If you all could follow me and like my chiefs tweets. That'd be great.
3: Um, just, as the long as out there. Still, just as long as Twitter's still around in like a week, Kayla, Nick and I will help you out.
2: Okay. You Thank know. you so much. I really appreciate it.
3: I'll hit you with like, just, just tell me which one you want me to retweet. And we'll start there. Just be okay. like, Hey, retweet this one. And you're like, okay, <laughs> sure. You
4: got to
2: boost the following Cody's tweets get like so many likes a tweet. I'm very jealous.
4: Cody's a Is volume it? shooter though. Cody's like <laughs> he's Jr. Smith. You know, he might, he might throw up 30, 40 and he may go 10 for 30, but on one of those going can be really impressive.
3: Yeah, that's, that's pretty much tonight. I have a bunch of tweets with like 30 likes and then like two with 2000 likes because I put up a lot of shots, Nick. Yeah. But sometimes okay. you get a ball. You know, Clay Thompson went 10 of 13 from three. Occasionally, you know, they just keep going in. <laughs>
2: Tweet more. Got it. All right. Enough about our social media. Guys, let's move on to game balls. Who are we giving our game balls to this week?
0: The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Ah. Okay, so I'm going to take... Kelsey Mahomes out of it for just a minute because I'm assuming somebody else is going to say it. So I feel like I can should. I, can I
4: cut you off? Can I cut yes. you guys off?
3: Because I'm afraid
4: if I don't say it first. Oh, I know we're all thinking the same name. And if okay. I don't say it, then you guys will steal it from me. So I want to be the one to say Is it, it the
3: person I stole from you last
4: week. Yes. I mean, no, no, it's not. It's obviously I mean, I don't even need to go through with the fanfare here. We all know who it is. it's it's. <laughs> Jody Fortson, right? Jody Fortson, um, biggest catch of his career. He finished two receptions, 51 yards. I mean, and absolutely, I mean, the best connection of the night was Jody on the wheel route, Patrick Mahomes just drops it in a bucket and Jody just sticks his hands out, boom, sets up a, a touchdown from Travis Kelsey. I loved what the chiefs did without Juju Smith Schuster, you lose Kadarius, Tony, you didn't have Nicole Hardman. So what did the chiefs do? They just put three tight ends on the field all night long. I love the versatility of this offense. Jody's always been a red zone guy. He's always been like a one yard, two yard touchdown reception guy, but now using him as a vertical threat, just changing this, Oh, every single week, it's something different. The Chiefs are giving you different looks. There's no way any team ever, Chargers included, are going to be like, you know, we gotta we gotta watch you out for the Jody Fortson wheel route because the Chiefs love going to that on the forty yard line on third down. But of course, it's something new every week. Hashtag Fourth Season. And um, holidays, so we're like thinking about Christmas season. You know, Thanksgiving. No, it's Fourth Season from now until the end of time.
2: More uh, Kevin, inside info. Um, from okay. sideline reporter Kayla, the same guy that Pacheco prayed with, also prayed with Jody Fortson. Wow. I was standing right next to him. Guys, something. I don't you know. gotta Tell
3: us that we could have been live betting this stuff. Fine
2: intervention. I
3: would. I, I like to think that I'm OK at radio, but a, a really good writer, Nick, who I know you also like, Kevin Clark. described that Mahomes throw perfectly like two weeks ago. And I thought you would appreciate the exact phrasing of it because that's what happened on the Jody Fortson catch. His tweet from two weeks ago said, my favorite Mahomes throws are the ones when he gives the receiver no other option but to catch it. If they were even thinking about screwing up, they can't because the ball's momentum made them fall and the play is over and the ball is on their stomach. Sorry, Bob. Completed pass. Move on. (laughs) It's it's like he threw that ball and it was just like Jody Fortson's like, oh, there's a ball here. Ah, (laughs) I'll catch it. That sounds
2: cool. Not even by an end
3: zone. Like even like, even he seemed like confused. The ball was there because I'll bet that normally he's not thrown to there, but it doesn't matter. I'll still avoid the obvious, which I think could be Chris Jones or Kelsey or Mahomes. And we can have our conversation about those in a minute. I'm going to give it to the other guys, the group of UPS driving wide receivers that Mahomes completed passes to tonight. Outside of Travis Kelsey. I understand Sky Moore was a second round pick, but come on, come on. This was like when we made fun of the teams for anybody who's been a regular listener to this podcast, we made fun of the Tennessee Titans wide receivers. That's what happened tonight His leading wide receivers outside of Travis Kelsey were Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, Mark West, Valdez, Cantling, Noah Gray, and Jarek McKinnon. That's it, man. He completed passes. He finished the game with 329 yards and three touchdowns and had Kelsey and a bunch of dudes, just a bunch of end of the thing. Now look, they proved that they're deep at wide receiver, but I mean, those are guys, man. That's Tom Brady stuff, right? Anytime Scotty Miller shows up on a roster for two weeks, you're like the hell is this guy just catching like 80 yards or Greg Dolch, Dorch. That's his name. I can't remember his right name. Greg Dorch. (laughs) who for three games this year put up big numbers with Brady when everyone went out. When you're that great, you can have just a bunch of wide receivers the rest of us have never heard of, and you do great things. He lost Kadarius Tony, which all of a sudden, who hadn't done anything this year, we thought was a big loss, he lost in another guy, and it still didn't matter. Without three of his top four wide receivers, and he still put up 329 yards and three touchdowns. Credit to the other guys, the Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, the whole crew.
2: Well, I'll take the obvious one since no one else will. Um, and that is the Pat Kelsey duo. You and me, baby, I think is what they said in the post game with Melissa Stark, who I also walked by such a doll. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. Hat trick. I called this on Friday. Kelsey shows out in L.A. I don't know what it is. He is now the with the 33rd 100 yard receiving game of his career, most by any touchdown or most by any tight end in NFL history. Um, surpassed Gronk, 25 straight wins now in November and December. These two turn it on at the exact I don't I mean, what am I saying that no one else already knows? Um there's just I even tweeted, I was like, I'm out of things to say about them because they are not human. This is not normal. I don't like we just we I, just even even the broadcasts are like, Oh, they have a minute power, minute 50 left, minute, whatever, minute and a half. They're gonna win this thing. And sure enough. It's like, because why wouldn't we? But it's just ridiculous what they do game after game after game. I don't know. Uh, They get my game balls and they actually got the game balls tonight. So that would make sense. And then they're just like skipping around the field afterwards. Like that looked like a home game. The fans that stayed and were like cheering for them after they were going up to the fans, throwing their game balls to the fans. It was a wild scene there at SoFi.
4: Kayla, don't you think it would be more frustrating as a defense or like an opposing fan base to see Kelsey do what he did than Mahomes? Because at this point, Mahomes, first off, he's a quarterback and the great quarterbacks are just always going to get theirs and have success. But for the most part, like you can sort of, if you really want to, especially in a game like tonight where you didn't have Juju, you didn't have McCole, wide receivers, like you knew who the ball was going to. So you can sort of game plan around that. And the fact that we're now a decade into this and nobody really has an answer as to how to slow this guy down, a guy at a position, which by the way, teams can take like every other tight end who's ever played the sport teams can focus on them and take them out of the game. Yet Kelsey Mm -hmm. just still puts up, not just good numbers, like not, he let his impact be known. Like he dominates week after week and he's what, 34 years old. And he is at 33 years old and he is having the best season of his career. One of the best tight end seasons of all time. I would be so Good. frustrating if I was an opposing team.
2: Okay. We're going to try to go down and and in this thing and uh, finish out. Like, why wouldn't you? Of course they know what the game plan is. It's going to be Mahomes to Kelsey. And they just continue to do that for that entire final drive. And the Chargers did nothing about it. Because
3: I can't. Kayla because they can't which leads us to like we've got a couple minutes left in the show we have done this podcast for three months now so a perfect time Kayla since you're new-ish to sports radio to do our very first Mount Rushmore
2: Where oh of- snap
3: <laughs> come on it's time <laughs> Nick We she's never done one this hey, whole what? time Mount Rushmore of what
2: Greatest pass
3: catching quarterback duos of all time.
2: Okay. I was actually going to ask this question at the top of the show.
3: There you go. Where are Mahomes and Kelsey and the greatest pass catching and quarterbacks of all time? Because we know Montana and Rice. Like, where amongst the pantheon are Mahomes and Kelsey? Do they make the Mount Rushmore in the top four?
2: Do they make the top four of all time as of now? Yes. I don't
3: care. I mean, Kelsey's already, he's the number one, he's hes the best tight end in NFL history, so.
2: I mean, you've got he's Brady Gronk. Best.
3: I know, but like, even he's surpassed that, right?
2: I would think so, yeah.
4: I don't okay. know. I don't know the rings, though, because the rings matter. I don't know. The if- Montana
3: Rice thing, that's why they're one, right?
4: Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to put. Mahomes okay. Over so so
3: Brady because God. of the rings, do you put Aikman, Irvin above them? Because that's insane. No
4: but, no, but it's not just the rings. It's they have the stats and the rings. That's why. That's why Montana and Rice are number one. What about I'd Peyton probably, Manning and Reggie Wayne? I would put Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison probably. Up. Th- I mean, they're there. They're they're in the mix. They're in the mix.
2: They're right um, there around. They're definitely me. in top four for me.
4: And so have you answered? Just And we're just talking about like the 21st century.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: I think I think they're like third. I, I would I would give Jerry Rice and Montana that you could actually make an argument for Steve Young and Jerry Rice. Um, I don't know why I'm just lumping it into that. But, you know, I'm going to give it um to to Montana and Jerry Rice, at least in this. And I think I honestly think you probably should make an argument for Brady and somebody I don't really care. Like that, that answer is probably Gronkowski, as you'd previously mentioned. Because I mean, who else am I giving it to? Like, I I can look up the top scoring duos of all time. Because Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning have the third most of all time, or six most of all. You know, like they're in the top ten of all time of just normal things, and they've won a you know a Super Bowl together, right? So I'm not taking that away from them. But Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have that too. Like to me, it's probably Brady and Gronk. Rice in Montana, and then it's Kelsey and Mahomes, or it's Man- you know, it's Manning and Harrison, and then Mahomes. But they're on the Mount Rushmore. What's insane is that Gronk
4: and Brady had a hundred and five touchdowns together. That's a crazy number. Which is just absolutely stupid. So yeah, I'm, I'm. I think they're probably right there around four. But that's the beauty of it is we're comparing them to duos who will never have a single connection ever again. And as of right now, it looks like they have no signs of slowing down in Kansas city.
2: Well, we're going to end there. What a great night. We are going to be back with you all on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to it's always game day in Kansas city. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate and view wherever you get your podcast. That is Cody tap. He is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Canarum. Have a great one, everyone.